Hey, James, let's get married. What about your parents? We don't tell anybody. Why the secret? Because my parents would never approve. If you continue to see that person, you are no longer my daughter. I might agree to a proposal of marriage if you learn basic Mandarin. I managed to learn a new language in just under six weeks. Klingon is not a real language. Aren't you happy that I'm happy? I'm not coming to your wedding. I'll always be your daughter, Mum. This is the end to Z of film with Andy and Rajiv. Welcome to the N to Z of Film, Season 4, Episode 2. This is the podcast where two friends on opposite sides of the world talk uh, New Zealand-linked films. This is Season 4, Wonder Wahine. That's right. Uh, a podcast where we talk about uh, the season about New Zealand women of film. Just before we begin this episode, um, I would like to discuss briefly the use of the term wahine. So we discussed it briefly in the first episode. It means woman in te reo Māori, the, the native uh, indigenous tongue of New Zealand. I made a little video promo and I've been doing sort of graphic stuff for the podcast and I got a little concerned that perhaps Andrew as a white guy and me as an immigrant Fijian Indian guy have appropriated the word. So I got a little concerned that we're being offensive. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, inadvertently offensive inadvertently yeah. like we, we totally we totally cool <laughs> we're trying to be cool uh, and we, we, we the title comes from Andrew pretty much everything we do in the podcast not to lay blame at Andrew's feet but is Andrew's idea and I just go okay and then run run with That's it right. <laughs> man blame Whitey for everything jeez yeah. uh, and you came up with the title simply because it's it's a punny and cool like I, I was like yeah that's cool that's a cool title punny and it relates and it's yeah yeah but i got concerned so i reached out to a few maori people that i know and all of them were like like they were like oh no it's cool like but their initial reaction is it's cool and then some of them think about it for a while and wonder if it's not cool and then they say oh maybe you should talk to this person so i sort of end up on this circle ringing people <laughs> Um, and the only real negative thing and it's barely negative was that one person said uh, a Māori filmmaker said, woman filmmaker said, uh, that when she thinks of uh, wahine, she thinks of uh, Māori woman as opposed to any other ethnicity. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. Uh, which brings another problem to the podcast because in this season we won't be discussing majority Māori woman filmmakers uh, simply for the fact that there is a problem with representation. There is not enough uh, internationally renowned films being released there, there's definitely talent i've met them myself but just the, the the over the line push to get those those films made does just doesn't exist hopefully it's getting better so you know the majority of our films will not be by maori people uh, they'll be pacifica white people um, uh, we're talking about an asian filmmaker today uh so that was a little something i was a little concerned by but then i thought well you know when i was little you you learn bits of maori you know you pretty much grow up with everyone saying kia ora as a as a greeting to you and there's little bits and Hopefully it's getting more and more ingrained to the culture. It causes anger amongst certain people in the population. But but Wahine and my... white men. <laughs> That's right. But Wahine, like, in my mind, has always just meant woman. It's interesting because I grew up bilingual. I'm Fijian Indian. And, you know, the word odit or lariki, like, 
they mean girl or woman, but they don't. I don't think of that when I hear those words. I don't think, oh yeah, Indian woman. I just think that's a word for woman. So it's really fascinating, um, like about who owns words and what those words mean to people and how powerful they can be. So I think it's important that you check yourself <laughs> yes. when you're well, using especially things. especially when uh, you're two straight middle class guys. <laughs> I'm lower class. I'm lower class. Thank you very much. Lower class. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. All right. Fine. You're you're lower class. I'm just a lower class kind of person. So (laughs) I'm from the wrong side of the tracks, baby. Um, Yeah. Don't call me baby. (laughs) So um, we've decided to continue with it um, because it comes from a place of love. Like it's nice to hear Terrell in. anywhere the world yeah exactly yeah (laughs) um and hopefully we're not offending anyone but if we are you know please get in contact like we are willing to listen i am for sure i don't know i don't know politely (laughs) politely please get in contact politely i'm just aware of the internet and how people are on it if people if there are people out there that are generally offended at us they they tend i reckon they will be polite like when i get offended i'm polite Except oh, for... un- <laughs> unless they're angry old white people, what then is they that? are not polite. Yeah, but there's no need to be polite back to that person. So anyway. no. <laughs> All right, that's that's out of the way. So you know, uh, that was just weighing on my mind. You know, so thanks for no, letting and, me talk about and, that. <laughs> and fair enough. And un- it's it's strange for me because I'm out of New Zealand, and so I'm sort of uh, a few steps removed from the conversation at the moment. And I know there has been a little bit of the, a conversation around the use of Tereo um, in more public spaces, really. Like I understand national radio have been using Tereo more and people have been upset by that because, I don't know, I guess they need something to be upset by. <laughs> but uh... I, think, I think it's always <clears throat> better to, to, to use it. So, and I'm hopeful to to learn some more it is better to, i feel like it is better i mean the the anger already is really fascinating we should probably get onto our podcast but but my reaction when i don't understand te reo maori because it is an indigenous language of the country i live in is not anger my just my my reaction is like ah, oh, i don't know what's happening i mean radio nz is, is i should a, probably learn that or yeah i mean i mean not even if i don't if i don't learn it that's on me because i'm just a lazy guy that doesn't want to learn another language perhaps but but it's never anger it's always like ah. Oh, Oh, that's cool. Uh, I wish I knew that. But that's on me. It's not on them. It's yeah. crazy to be angry about it. It seems crazy to me. <laughs> anyway, this is this is turning into a, a very um, big conversation. This this conversation could get much much bigger. Okay, well, we should probably get onto the <laughs> so film. So I think we should talk about the film because it's a really great film. That, it's really um, great. Yeah. I mean, spoilers for I don't know my reaction. I guess, but it's a really great film. Yeah. Um, <laughs> spoilers. So. I felt happy afterwards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, well, uh, this film uh, that we're talking about today is uh, My Wedding and Other Secrets. Rajiv, do you want to hit us with a synopsis? I have a synopsis here. I wrote down several synopsises, but then I decided on oh. this, this one that was from, I wrote this one down from the um, South Pacific Pictures uh, website. It's like their... Um, uh, sales document. <clears throat> a Romeo and Juliet story with a Kiwi Asian twist. My Wedding and Other Secrets is a romantic comedy journey through a cultural minefield navigating the divide between the traditional values of immigrant parents and the contemporary aspirations of their children in a new world. 
So that is a synopsis, that's for sure. It's not the one I would have probably picked to sell it, but because it doesn't really... That's weird, I don't know. And I also have a virulent automatic reaction to the term Romeo and Juliet story, but uh, that's... <laughs> Uh, I mean, they die. They die in the end. <laughs> that's why Andrew. That that's, why, that's why Andrew was so happy about the film because they will die. Um. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, that's just on me. Really, this film is so much better. The um, sort of than that. It's then Romeo it's, and Juliet. Ooh, okay, right. So much better. Yeah. Mm. Uh, oh man, I'm sick of Romeo and Juliet. That's bullshit. Okay. Um, just talk to each other, people. Come on. <laughs> Uh, which is what happened. Which is what happened in this film, right? That's what they happened. It's great. Um, sort of, yeah. So I found it um, interesting uh, watching this uh, after the sort of indie darling last year was uh, the Big Sick. The Big Sick, which yeah. was also based on a real life relationship, uh, cross cultural, second generation immigrant, white person. <laughs> Well, he's, relationship he's a, keeping it a secret and he's a first generation so, he's he was born in pakistan so oh that's right yeah, yes yeah, yeah. so he's the same as me i was i was born in fiji and live in new zealand um anyway sorry i interrupted you no that's i, I had finished my thought okay yeah it was um so yeah so the parallels uh with my life are astounding i don't want to get too personal but i have a similar relationship uh with my wife <laughs> um i come from quite the conservative sort of background my parents were uh, not super, like the, the parents in this film are quite strict in her upbringing. My parents were less so, but you definitely feel the weight of your culture um, sort of on your shoulders. And when you decide to marry out of that or have a relationship outside of that, um, I didn't have parents that were like, you can't you can't be with a white person, but you feel a certain level of like, oh, this is kind of out of the norm, especially for me in my specific context. Um, uh, everyone in my immediate family, my first cousins had, uh, that were older than me, had married uh, within their own culture. So I was kind of like the first um, in my immediate family that had married or had uh, started dating someone outside of my culture. So that was kind of a weird thing where I didn't have the language or skills to talk about it. So it became kind of strange where it was kind of a secret in, in the way that it was in this film, but not because I was scared of reprisal, simply because I didn't know what I was going to do. So I felt like a lot of like it, it brought up a lot of emotions for me. This film, <laughs> like I was watching, going, "Yes, this is this is very very relatable." I get this. This is this is weird, um, but everything turned out fine. My mum and dad love my wife, so it's great. Shout out to my wife; she's great. Um, uh, Renee Le- Roseanne Liang, who is the director of this film, is a uh, is a Chinese New Zealander, essentially, right? Um, which is great. So it's it's great to see. I was going to bring out the fact that you brought out. Um, uh, the Big Sick and I was like you know every now and then you get a film like that from overseas you get um, uh, like My Big Fat Greek Wedding which is sort of marrying of cultures and you, even even further back you get Sydney Poitier and Who's Coming to Dinner all that sort of thing so it's nice to have uh, a story like that which is always cool uh, in a very local context I was watching it going hey this is really relatable you know everyone speaks like yeah. me and there's things that I recognise in the story which is well, cool when I think I think um, in terms of the Big Sick, just, and I only want to mention The Big Sick because I feel like anyone listening to this who hasn't already seen My Wedding and Other Secrets, so international listeners perhaps, um, has seen The Big Sick, so they've got a context 
that's right. for it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I related to this more, and I think that's quite a lot to do with it being a very New Zealand feeling film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, it's very much set in New Zealand, like down to the the old getting married for the student allowance. <laughs> that's right. Uh, scheme, which I I can't remember if that was actually a hat, still uh, a loophole when we were at university. I can't remember or not, which I feel is like when the events of the film is when it sort of set, even though it's not when the events in real life took place. They took place in the nineties when that was definitely still going on. I and I remember that because it was a plot line on Shorten Street. So thank you. Doesn't get more Kiwi in that specific. Um, well, yeah. I think I think it, I think it was I think the original happened in uh, two thousand four. So I think very close to when we were at university. Um, because. Uh, the origin of this film are the fact that Renee, Roseanne Liang uh, made a film called Banana in a Nutshell about her relationship with her white boyfriend <laughs> and how a he... A documentary. That's yeah. right. Uh, how he was learning... Uh, he had to learn Mandarin in order to ask for you know, her hand in marriage and they did get married in real life. I mean, and that, that was a film that, was, that came out in 2005. So, yeah, I guess a similar timeline. Which is really fascinating. Like, this is a really interesting story. Like, the fact that that film actually played at the New Zealand International Film Festival and is a subplot of the film we watched. <laughs> yeah, um, it was really weird because I also remember <laughs> that film playing at the film festival. Yeah, yeah, me too. Um, and John Barnett was in the audience, the producer from South Pacific Pictures, the company that I think makes Sean Street, right? They make Sean Street, don't they? Well, um, they made My Wedding and Other Secrets. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah. he was in the audience and he was like, yeah, hey, um, you made this docker about your life. Do you want to make it a feature film? Yeah. <laughs> and Roseanne Lang was like, um, sure. <laughs> And, and and did it, um, which is great. Um, <laughs> it's just a great story. So that's such a great story. I was like, wow. Like, yeah. So should we um, sort of start more with a with an overarch? So this started out as a documentary, as you say, about her uh, relationship with her white boyfriend and the struggles with her parents. With that, that then becomes the basis of this film. And this film, this fiction film, starts with very. Uh, nerdy girl at university I'm assuming it's kind of like the first day of university joins up for fencing um, is taking film studies kind of the outlier in her family everyone else has done medicine or law and meets very 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 tall white man and they have a connection and they click and they go out and then she has to keep the secret from her family because her eldest sister previously had a boyfriend who was white, who was not popular with the dad. No. That's she right. was threatened with being disowned, which is then why uh, she feels she has to keep the secret and things happen from there. And she's also, yes, then ends up making a film about... She ends up making the documentary that the film is based on that's right it's just a very cyclical Ooh. i think i've covered most things there oh there's there's yeah there's lots of stuff it's 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 yeah. um that was i mean that was one of my i i mean i like this film a lot i mean five stars um uh, yeah but i have like a few criticisms i think one is that there are quite a lot of things happening that possibly don't get resolved in a nice way but that's the messiness of real life um but i wanted to talk about roseanne liang because do you know much about her films at all um, I've had a, a, a quick look about and uh, see that she is is doing pretty well for herself right now. 
she's doing all right yeah um she hasn't made another feature film just yet but i imagine that's that's in the works um well yes because she is uh let me get this right she was recently named as a filmmaker to watch by hollywood by the ellis initiative yeah so you know she's she's getting noticed yeah i mean good that that was from um i reckon that's because of do no harm which played in the film festival here uh last year which is a great it's a great short film it's um it's about a a surgeon that has to um perform surgery like that these guys these guys these gangsters break in and want to kill this guy and she saves his life but in but they are holding her daughter hostage it's essentially a martial arts film set in a hospital sort of scenario and it's quite cool it does that thing that some short films do that i really hate where it's not really a short film it's kind of the beginning of a feature film but i forgive this one because it's really cool <laughs> it's really really cool like it's super it well feels shot. like <laughs> it feels like the action film that her character in this film would have liked to have made yeah yeah for sure and i you know i hope that that's that's that is what where it comes from like she always wanted to make one and she made one and it's cool so hopefully that develops into a feature that i would totally watch um um but before that like the one of her previous short films she made a few but one of the previous ones that i think was released 2004 um before no, no 2008 uh which is one of my favorite Disney short films ever is take three have you seen take three no. So take three is about three. Um, uh, it's got it's got Michelle Ng and it's got um, uh, the older sister Caitlin Wong and, and another and another actress whose name I've forgotten. Um, but they play I three. I think I remember this coming out. Right. Yeah. They play three yeah. aspiring New Zealand Chinese actresses going for auditions in Auckland for various TV shows and movies, and the cliche of the Asian characters they have to play in all these auditions just get worse and worse and worse until all three of them are just like totally like doing stereotypes of Asian accents to the uh, farcically to the extent where the cartoon director gets annoyed even though he has asked for <laughs> these Asian stereotypes oh, God. it's so great like it's one of the funniest I mean if that was all Roseanne ever made I, I think she should be happy it's, it's a fantastic short so I'm really looking forward to seeing whatever she does next because she's cool she's making some cool stuff um, well, and I actually also thought you would have a connection to this as well because her character in this is the one in film class who's <laughs> talking about the crazy genre films and not the wanky wanker up the back. Who, yeah, but man, I want to smack that guy in the face. Eric, who becomes a sort of buddy later on. I mean, you, yeah. you you'd have a similar you'd have a similar uh, connection to this, wouldn't you? Because I I wrote that down exactly, like the pretentious film note. And I remember this, because I think it was in production or some sort of class that we did. I don't know whether you were there, but I'm pretty sure you were there. But I remember listening to all these wankers talk about these things, and and I remember thinking, oh, I should probably oh, I should probably change my three films that I'm going to say, but I didn't. <laughs> I still said um, hard-boiled John Woo's 1992 action film, uh, Vertigo, which I guess is a bit wanky, but it's a super cool film, and Once Upon a Time in the West, which is a surgically on Western, as opposed to, I don't know, something by Kurosawa or... Well, Kurosawa's pretty cool, but, like, uh, I don't know, the, the French Nouvelle Vague or something. Like, yeah, I just remember that. And... Yeah, I remember that in the class sitting there going, ah, oh, who are these wankers? Stop it, stop it, stop it. And also, this guy specifically mentions, like, because she says, oh, when I grew up, I wanted to be ICD2, and she talks about her love of Star Wars. And then the guy, Eric, uh, goes, yeah. he goes, oh, you know, like, he talks about, like, a Spielberg and Lucas um, ripping off the masters, like, Kurosawa and stuff. I'm like, those guys are all buddies, man, like, like everyone references everyone else like kurosawa is referencing john ford he loves westerns man like your idols are just the same they're just making popular cinema just don't be a dick 
Also, Spielberg is one of the greatest living filmmakers. God damn it. Uh, anyway, <laughs> derailing this conversation again. But I just, uh, like, that was so, I just, I found that, and I guess, yes, yeah, because I've had that same experience at film school in particular. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. It's just so true to life. It's just like, no, just get over yourself, man. I mean, it's fine. If you don't like things that other people like, that's fine. You know, we, we get that fine. More just, more. Don't be a dick. Yeah, but just... Just don't look down on it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and don't look down on it for the reasons that he gave. I'm like, those are terrible reasons. These films all yeah. reference each other. Anyway. <laughs> but I'm glad that you brought that up because I did like, I was watching it going, wow, so relatable. Like I said, like, I, this is an exact scenario that I have been in. <laughs> and I imagine countless... Actually, <laughs> sorry, also on that, I've just seen my notes and remembered that I have been exactly in one of these scenarios when she flashes to the party and she's dressed up as a Nigo Montoya. <laughs> and no, she's talking to a guy in a who has a like a superhero symbol on and a shirt open and his tie blowing back. Oh yeah. I have done that exact costume. <laughs> that exact Dicky costume, and I did that at my university ball. Wow, really? Yep. What university ball? The okay. university ball. I went with an ex, but oh. she wanted to go. I didn't. That's why I went as a right Superman. Clark Kent changing into Superman. I don't know. Whatever. That's I was pretty a funny. Young person, so I was a dick. I don't remember there being a ball. I really missed out. Oh well. That's just. No, that's no. Just, I was a I was a nerd, total nerd. I was. <laughs> what do you mean? Were? <laughs> That's true. I still am. It's true. But I'm cool now. I have a wife, and I'm cool. I wear better. I wear better clothes. <laughs> I have a better haircut. Um, <laughs> uh, this this film won uh, several awards. It won best screenplay at the New Zealand Film and Television Awards, and it won Good. best best actress Michelle Ang, which I thought would be a nice way to segue into Michelle Ang's career, uh, which is fascinating because she relates directly to our previous season. Right, she. Oh yeah. So you mentioned the fact that she was in *Fear the Walking Dead*, starring uh, New Zealand's own Cliff Curtis. Cliff Curtis, who was in season three. If you ever listen to season three, it's still available on, on uh, wherever you listen to good podcasts. Um, yeah, she's she's uh, uh, she started off in a web series um, that was a tangent to *Fear the Walking Dead* called *Flight 626* or something, um, and now she's uh, main cast. She's main cast oh. on *Fear the Walking Dead*, which Sweet. is great. <laughs> well, because she's so good in this. She is great. She is great. She's um, so so sweet, and the chemistry that those two have is real. It's real. It's so good. Like I, I noticed some of her t-shirts, and I kind of want to like go back and watch it to see the t-shirts because they've they often had hearts, sort of or a heart theme on them, and I, I wonder oh. if there's some some really good costume choices going on there that I sort of. Like, I would catch it every once in a while and go, oh, yeah, that's, uh-huh, uh-huh, but then get caught up in the rest of the story, so then didn't... Right. Yeah, I didn't notice that. Didn't, didn't sort of follow on th- through that thread. She she really is, like, really believable in that role. Like, I really thought she was oh, a man. nerdy, awkward, sort of self-preoccupied girl. And then watching clips of her from Fear the Walking Dead, I'm like, whoa, she's totally badass. <laughs> like, so that's some good... She's got some great chops on her. Um... I want to note that she was in the tribe. Remember the tribe? Uh, New Zealand. Oh, dip! She was. 
New Zealand uh, children's television show, so which and every every chance I will ever get, I'll point out that you were on that show as well, Andrew. As, the as an person. extra, not even a featured extra. <laughs> you were a featured extra. Loud. You were like the no, casino owner guy. Anyway. Yeah, um, I didn't have any lines, so. <laughs> Uh, she was also on McDonald's Young Entertainers, another New Zealand uh, TV show that we had, which featured young mm. people uh, being forced to sing and dance for the New Zealand public. Uh, Outrageous Fortune and um, another New Zealand sort of crime drama, which is a quite a good show. And thing that I liked the most about when I look her up on IMDb, <laughs> hopefully she's not listening to this, uh, she was in uh, a Big Mama's House sequel with Martin Lawrence. Uh, which oh, yeah, is Big cool. Mama's House 2. That's right. It's a, it's a weird... <laughs> Weird thing, but sure. Take dolls, we can get them. It's great. Yeah, I mean, gotta work. If it, if it was me, I'd be pretty happy that I acted in a movie with Martin Lawrence. Martin Lawrence is cool. You know. Oh, yeah. Uh, we all remember um, Blue Streak, so. Blue Streak. Blue Streak yeah. and, uh, and Bad Boys. Um, yeah, so she's great. I yeah, really, really believed her. So um, her best actress, I can, you know, win is. I can easily imagine that. Um, we never talk about box office yet, but uh, I can't really find figures, but the New Zealand um, on-screen website, which is a really great resource for New Zealand film stuff, uh, says that it had a strong box office with several five-star reviews. So hopefully it made lots of money for the filmmakers involved, which would be good. Yeah, and it's uh, just to touch on uh, her character more as well, I think Roseanne didn't, she didn't gloss over herself sort of in this fictional version of herself she is really stubborn and there's a certain point in the film where you just you don't side with her anymore that's really fascinating because it's such an interesting choice i think it's a really really good choice to have made at that point it's because it's in terms of you know screenwriting thought bloody blah it gives her her lowest point and also what should be her highest point. Yeah, it is fascinating because it is a point where her parents have been convinced of this guy, but then she's at a low point because she's not staying with him. But, um... Well, no, so so the... I don't know, hashtag spoilers. What I'm getting at here is that she's made this documentary. It was oh, a yeah, student right. documentary. That's right. Um, and then her co-producer, Eric, the wanky film guy who sort of becomes a Frenemy, I guess, um, <laughs> puts it forward for the New Zealand International Film Festival and it gets in and so there's going to be this big premiere and she's all worried about what her parents will think and she's talking about it to her husband but he asks that she not... That she not do it, right. That she not do it, that she not go ahead with it. He asks her for him because that it just is not what he wants mm. and she just brushes him off yeah she does doesn't even kind of consider his point of view and i think it's especially that the character is the writer slash director that's right yeah it's really unsympathetic so she's she has this big premiere the three most important people in her life her mum and dad and her husband are not there not there and then the audience takes it the complete wrong way. That's right. There's one guy in the audience that mentions quite does a quite racist thing, talking about how this is an ancient China, and then the audience like euphorically claps. I was like, oh no, that was quite a good yeah. moment. Like that was a real like oh gut punch. It was good. Well, he was just like, yeah, good on you for sticking it to your <laughs> mum and dad because it's not modern New Zealand or yeah whatever. It's just like oh, it's not ancient China. Yeah. 
So this Hi-ya. this brings me to an interesting point about like one of the I have I have three main criticisms of the film, but they're only minor because I enjoy the film so much. Um, it, it does have a lightness that I really like, so you know all is forgiven. But one, the doco getting into the New Zealand Film Festival is a big deal, and I feel like it's not made as big a deal. Like it doesn't feel like a big deal in the film. I don't I don't think it was a big deal like especially the screening and stuff like it's all nice like everyone's dressed up and stuff but I'm like that's a big deal like getting into the New Zealand's biggest film festival is huge <laughs> like I really well, I felt... thought that was huge she was there in a pretty dress she has a whole big gala thing she gets a bouquet she gets a bouquet yeah but I mean like the like her like I understand that he Matt Willen's character is is like understandably worried about being shown but i'm like it's still like a big like i feel like he doesn't understand how big a deal it is but that that's but that's... also she doesn't understand that he doesn't want the big deal no no yeah i mean she, you know i get that i get that but i just feel like there was never any recognition in her, like wow you got into a film festival um but well, also also he's you know not a film nerd like us no, I know. I, the, her, I, but that, so, I, understand, I understand there's a bias there in the fact that I'm a film guy, but I, I'm just like, it's huge. Like, I felt like it was just really like, oh, yeah, she's gone to a festival. It's a really big deal. But the other thing that annoys me a little bit about it is that I feel like it's a catalyst for the story, but it doesn't really go anywhere after that point. Like, it's good. Like, it's good and how they use it. But, I, but she, you know, when she starts doing the tidying of the house, she sort of leaves it there for her mum to watch. And I guess perhaps in a lesser film, it would be used as like, oh, she watched it and everyone's happy now. But there was a big deal about how she left out, how she deleted the bit where it showed the truth in the documentary of how unhappy she still is and left it as like, hey, we got, we're getting married. Isn't this happy times? So they're, they're pointing out the fact that the documentary isn't necessarily a true painting, which is, which is, that was quite a good moment where she deleted that scene that showed the truthfulness. But I feel like that... that which sort is actually of, in the documentary, I believe. That's right, yeah. But I feel like that, that whole thing doesn't really go anywhere. I feel like, oh, that's a thread that doesn't really go in anywhere enough for me. I was like, oh, I feel like it's left behind a little bit. But No, see, I, I felt that uh, it did sort of what it needed to do in terms of the story, and then that was it. But then why, like, why, why is that scene shown where she's, deleting, where she's deleting the unhappiness in her life? Like, what's the, what's the reason for that? Have I just missed Not the good. reason? I think it's just because she's still struggling with that. She's still in denial a bit. And I I just feel like the way the documentary is used in the film, if you didn't have that scene where she deleted the thing, it would still work. Like you could just have it and she's made this documentary and she's used it and everyone's unhappy about her putting it in the thing. But, you know, and also, you know, there are shots in it where she does put her mother in it and stuff. I'm like, oh, then that's, that's nice. But the parents, as far as you can tell, never watch the film. <laughs> Like it's never it's never brought up, which I thought would be, I would be interested in that. Like I was like, oh, isn't that something we want to see? That's all. That's all good. Okay, we'll move on. We disagree on that point. That's a shame. Yeah, but that's. <laughs> what was I going to say? Oh, th- there are other points in the film where I feel like you're not supposed to side with her. Like that that thing where she finally decides to move in with him, but before that point, she is having a hard time with it. Um, it's interesting because my wife at the time was kind of like, oh, that's, you know, <laughs> I would have broken up with her years ago, uh, <laughs> weeks ago. But I still felt like I was on her side. And I was wondering if that's because I'm an immigrant. I wonder if that's because I'm like, oh, you know, her parents are really straight and family is so important. But what did you feel at that point, Andrew? I was just curious. 
Oh, when he was getting fed up with her not staying over and... Yeah, 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 yeah. That, spe- that specific moment, yeah. Did you feel like she was clearly in the wrong or did you feel some mixed emotions about that? Mixed emotions, I mean, because I felt for her, just rock in a hard place, right. really. Yeah, okay, cool. Um, I got a little frustrated more with him, actually, like just see that this is difficult for her. I know it's tough to do because it's not your culture, but also I all he's obviously a good guy and obviously trying and this is frustrating for him mm. because he wants to be with the uh, woman that he loves. But, That's right. And then also from her side, she doesn't want to be disowned, i.e. lose her parents, her family, but she also wants to be with him that's so right. yeah, yeah. and that's kind of true to the real life story but also it's um a really good character bind for her to be in mm. yeah yeah okay that's good well we're on agreement there um the disownment is something that i was really like wow that's that's big <laughs> being disowned yeah. um uh caitlin Caitlin, what's her name? Sorry, Caitlin Wong, who plays Susan, the older sister who was disowned. Now she has this relationship with. She wasn't disowned. She wasn't disowned. The threat of being disowned. Threatened. She was threatened. Well, she wasn't disowned because she broke up with her boyfriend, her white boyfriend, who ends up dying, right? Like without her knowledge, and there's a funeral, and she misses it. Now that that is a a big catalyst in the story for where we go, where the truth comes out essentially at the dinner table. Um. That was heartbreaking. Like I was looking at, I was looking at her performance, and I was like, "Because imagine if that was a real thing that happened." Man. It was a real thing that happened. Was it? Yeah. Was it in the documentary? Yes. Oh, have you I not seen. That. I have, but I just, but years ago, I don't remember it at all. I don't remember. Yeah, right. See, so, yeah, I started watching it after this film. I was like, this, this is amazing. I need to watch the documentary now because right. I missed it at the film festival. And yes, right, and right. very, very sadly, her sister uh renee moved to sydney and he moved with her and then the relationship was ending but he died right 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 i thought that because i read about her her renee's um partner dying i thought that was i thought they were together and it was all good with the parents so was it in the same way that it was in the movie where the parents disowned no 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 not quite okay cool uh, but that was something that I was like that was that was my my other so, oh sorry it's, it's a this sorry just this because it just made me think this is such an interesting um, film in that it is such a sweet and funny and emotional just story on its own mm. like just this little this little bit of it but then it has pulled and sort of changed as you do when making a fiction film from real life and it's just it's that interesting mix of fiction and and fact sort of thing because you know they've condensed the main relationship down obviously Hmm. because i i think it was they were together for 80 years right (laughs) in real life before before all of this so right right it's quite a bit more difficult to film eight years worth of that's right of happenings. That's right. I, I read a, a really really great review um, on the uh, Willy Woman blog, which is highly recommend. Um, it's about women filmmakers in general in, in, in New Zealand. Um, with Renee, uh, Roseanne, and um, 
the screenwriter that she worked with, Angela Lou, Angelina Lou, uh, where they both sort of mentioned that real life uh, got in the way. <laughs> like the real life events got in the way of writing a screenplay. You know, they, they, they put in as much as they could of the real life because it's a very interesting story. But, you know, as you, as you do, you have to take artistic license where you can to make it fit into yeah. a nice three-act structural way of telling a story, which is good. But my, my only thing with Susan's Heartbreak is that um, I mean, I guess that was the, that was it. Like it was used as a catalyst for story, but I'm like, that's I want to, you know, I want what's the story there? I want to know more about that. Like, does she get closure with her parents? Do they discuss it? Like, I just felt really bad. Like I felt like she's at the dinner table crying, and I was like, oh man, that sucks. <laughs> like it's the worst. Yeah, that is. But I mean, it's also this. <sighs> it's not her story. They used it as a catalyst at that point specifically for like, I'm with the white guy and this is what's happening and you're disowned her and it's not good. I just, you know, because they knock on her door and she doesn't answer and I just like, oh, is she okay? But, you know, everyone's happy at the end because there's a wedding. So I guess everyone's fine. It's all good. Yeah. <laughs> there's dancing and there's a baby. And... Yeah. Everyone's happy. Uh, Matt Whelan. When I, when I looked at Matt Whelan's character, um, I thought of you, man. <laughs> I really thought about it. I was like, that's Andrew. He's like a nerdy I guy. I wish I was that tall. You're not that tall. No, you're not that tall. But I was like, yeah, that's like you. You're like a big nerdy guy. Um, I've also never done fencing, even though I kind of always wanted to. And <laughs> yes, mainly because of like Princess Bride and stuff. Uh, <laughs> shit. Uh, so he was in another another romantic uh, comedy after this. Uh, a comedy romantic drama um, called The Most Fun You Can Have Dying, where he plays a terminally ill guy. Um so I think for a little while he was... Yeah, so that's uh, a comedy. <laughs> uh, but having a romance. I think for a little while he was like a romantic lead guy. Uh, possibly he will be further in his in the future. But I, I want to note that um, he's last year played uh, Hugh Hefner in a, the biopic series made by Amazon uh, called Playboy something something, Hugh Hefner story, which is cool because every now and then, for whatever reason... That's weird. It is weird, but he does kind of look like Hugh Hefner, which is weird. Uh, every now and then, uh, New Zealand gets these international productions coming here to make stuff, often biopics. We did one of Lucille Ball, and we also did one of uh, The Three Stooges, which is really interesting. I don't know why these sort of Hollywood <laughs> sort of biopics come here. I guess because it's cheap. Who knows? Um, sure. <laughs> but he was great. I mean, he he had a certain level of... Um, well, his, I guess the tallness lends itself to that sort of awkwardness that he had, which is cool. I really, I liked his, uh, and I liked the fact he just kept eating cereal. Like, this character's just a cereal. Was that in the documentary that you watched? Was he a cereal eater in real life? <laughs> he was not, not so far as I've seen. It's so good. I was just like, and then he's walking down the street with her and the beautiful sort of yellow leaves. And I'm like, I suddenly realized, oh, he's eating cereal out of a box while they're yeah. walking down the street. <laughs> I was like, what is it with this guy in Weepix? <laughs> Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. it was. Uh, I mean, so that was. That was. I think probably also, potentially like the t-shirts. Have to go back and watch. But you know, the film opens on. <laughs> That's right. Her eating wheat bix and spitting them out, <laughs> but then seeing she could get a laser sword if she collects five barcodes, so <laughs> dips them down the thing. It's like it's great. This ties in, <laughs> and then when she, uh, this is one of the other things I really like about this film is that she fucks up and so she has to woo him. That's right. She hardly, I can't even remember the last time I saw that in a romantic comedy or any film really. Yeah, yeah, it's great. I mean, that, that scene where, because she clearly doesn't like She's cereal, do- 
because and yeah. when she was a little girl, she's throwing the cereal away. <laughs> then, then she sends him a video of her eating. What is it called? Wheat. Wheat. wheat bi- what are they called? Uh, wheat biscuits or whatever. It's basically wheat bix. It's New wheat bix. Wheat bix. New Zealand wheat cakes, which uh, once again parallels to my life. All I ate as a kid, I was given was wheat bix as breakfast. And at some point in my life, I think when I was like 15, I was like, I really don't like wheat bix and stopped eating wheat bix. Yes, because they're gross. <laughs> You have to put sugar Sorry, on Sorry, New Zealand. Yeah, wheat bix are only good when they're covered in like brown sugar or and or bananas, bananas or something. Or fruit. You know, like it's just like why why are we eating? people are like, no, they're delicious. I just have it with milk. I'm like, that's gross. It's not good. It's just wheat packed into a cake. Like it's just yeah. why, why would you eat that? Um, I don't know. The, my brother and I challenged ourselves one summer to eat shove as many wheat bix in our face as we could. I think we got ten in there or something. And mouth was really dry. Anyway, great. That's yeah. Um, he likes wheat bix. He loves. Um, he loves it. Yeah, you know, it's again with the the characters sort of not being always a hundred percent sympathetic, which I think is a great choice. He is really resistant to trying any of the Chinese food. Which is weird because he's like he, always he's always at a Chinese restaurant, but I guess he's just eating traditional favorites like sweet and sour pork or something. Like, you know, branch out, yeah. dude. <laughs> like he doesn't even try the chicken feet or um, gets way freaked out by the chicken head. It's way like, freaked out. Like you're not even going to yeah. eat the chicken head. Just eat the chicken. Yeah. You eat chicken, you weirdo. Yeah. And like she <laughs> says, it's there so you know it's a real chicken. I was like, yeah, man. Hashtag organic. <laughs> I thought that was Hashtag a weird line. The table. I love that. Hashtag I've, YOLO. I've never ever been to a restaurant and been shown given chicken and been like, is this real? I never, I've never questioned <laughs> it. I just have very a lot of trust in restaurants. I don't need the chicken. What are chicken you talking head. about? You've, you've been to McDonald's, right? Yeah, yeah. That's real chicken. Yeah. It's mm. totally real chicken. It's <laughs> real chicken, man. It's not fake chicken. Don't be a weird conspiracy theorist. Don't be that. Chicken guy. of bits. <laughs> Hashtag find the truth. <laughs> Hashtag chicken earth. <laughs> and I just uh, yeah so uh, again with food actually sorry I just have a really quick note is uh, what the hell is up with crabs everywhere in the world what do you mean which is like they're such a big deal they're such a faff <laughs> do you not like crabs uh, crabs fine it's just it's a it's it's a whole thing everywhere like in the world uh, I mean uh, well I mean you know like they're they're Big deal um, in this f- film in particular because he's got to bring a bag of live crabs to sort of even get in the door. But I mean, like, when I was living in Cayman, like, crabs and lobster was all over the place. You got the crabs up the east coast of the United States. Crabs are a big thing here in Guernsey. Like, oh, okay. That's know. interesting. Uh, you sound sick of crabs. Growing up with Andrew, I remember Not Andrew being. Not sick of crabs. <laughs> You 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 sound angry about crabs. That's what you sound like. No, you sound like just, you're angry about crabs. Like the way it's that we're... True. it's just a funny like um, particular <laughs> thing, but also an internationally particular thing. If that makes sense, I guess so. Uh, growing up, you were always angry about corn. You didn't like corn. Um, I don't like corn because corn's gross. Yes. Okay. Uh, specific... <laughs> uh, specifically, crabs. Uh, growing up Indian, um, we're from Fiji, and I guess um, when you're in Fiji. 
uh, crabs are more readily available than they are in New Zealand. And when we were in New Zealand, like if, if dad brought home crabs when I was young for mum to make into a curry, that was a big deal at our house. Like, oh, yeah, cool, we're having crab, we're having crab for, uh, for dinner. This is great, you know. It was like a mm. treat, I guess. I'm not entirely sure if that's the case with other people in New Zealand, um, but it was definitely a treat for, for me. Um, and even well, now... Man, I, 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 I can't think of a time that we had, you know, crabs for dinner. Right, right. When I was growing up, but mm. I don't know. Interesting. Yeah, it's just a, just a weird sort of tangential thought. Really. It was interesting. I, I love the fact that you brought up, you brought up like... A Jerry Seinfeld esque. What's the deal with crabs? Because um, I was going to. Because when you start, because when you said you said food, I was like, oh yeah, this this is good. Andrew's going to bring up the point that I'm going to bring up, uh, which is very specific to the film, and that food is love, right? Like, um, we we go to. Instead, I just went on a rant about crabs. crabs. I'm, I'm sorry, everyone. It's so, so great. I obviously have issues. It's so great. Um, but yeah, I mean, I like, love crabs. They're great. Crabs are great. Yeah, uh, but there food used to is... be like crabs that would like come up from the beach when we were living in Rarotonga, and they'd climb the coconut trees. You're still talking about crabs. You're still doing. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, but but food is love, and and that whenever we I go to my house, my traditional Indian um, parents uh, for dinner every Sunday because I'm a good Indian son. That's what you're supposed to do, and it's this huge banquet essentially of food and my wife's like you know your, your mum shows you love by the food and I and I was like yeah I guess she does and I think that's quite a traditional Asian thing and it's really apparent in this film I mean it, it so much so that it's not it's not even a subtext it's the text where she explains yeah. you know to the audience that you know you, you make my favorite and it's because you love me and it is like it, almost every scene where she comes home it's just like food have you eaten why haven't you eaten? You should eat something. That's that's just that's my mum. That's my mum, man. My mum's like, have you eaten something? Oh, you haven't eaten anything. I'll make you an egg. Let me make you an egg. Let me cook you an egg. I'm like, I'm, I'm okay, mum. I don't need to eat. I'm good. But it's it's because they love you. That's that's great. Yeah. And- I think I think similar thing with my parents, except it was just cold sausages in the fridge. If you want, help yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Which is great. Cold sausages is fantastic. Cold sausages anyway, is great. It's, this is it. It's interesting that we're getting very personal with this film because this is a very personal film. It's very personal. I mean, it, it's that thing where, like, if a film is made with love, you can feel it, and it is. I mean, it comes from a yeah. place of a real place, which is great. You know, it's it's authentic. Like all the things that I complain about are only minor. I just I think it's a really great film. Um, the the lighting, there's something that I really like. I like the I like the um the cinematography. It was um there was this great quote in the um the New Zealand Herald because I was trying to put it into words and I was like, oh, this is what it is. The it's breezy confidence is reflected in its bright color palette and that's the sort of thing like everything mm. is like lit with fairy lights or they're out they're out walking down the street and there's beautiful um uh autumn orange autumn leaves falling behind them or there's like the party at the end which is all sort of lanterns and stuff like it's it is oh. it has a beautiful light and color palette which is nice on that there's that moment when they're on their first date in the restaurant and she's sort of gazing at him with the you know typical mm. falling in love gaga eyes and there's that little yeah there's a little touch sort of just behind his head it's just it's quite subtle but you do notice it it's just this little kind of what would you call it like a little spangly bit like a like a key light. Uh, I don't remember the specific. No, no, no. It's it's just like a little um, couple of golden flashes of like lovely light. Okay, right. Which right. you, 
which is obviously sort of signifying her falling for him. Right, right, yeah. And then you, you don't see that again until the very, very end of the film when they're dancing at their wedding and the camera comes oh, up. And it's, like, yeah. it's literally the final shot and there's the lights of the wedding and everything and then there's that spangly light coming back in. That's right. And then it, it, it fades out and it's it's part of the credits, yeah. right? The yeah. golden flecks. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's true. Very good spotting, put spotting, Andrew. Um, my my favorite. Don't call me eagle-eyed James for nothing. <laughs> no one calls you that. <laughs> it's, uh, it's starting. It's starting. <laughs> you're starting it. <laughs> yep. My my favorite shot in the whole film is when it's one of the times where she's at his. I think it's the time where she finally decides to go there. I should have noted when it was actually, but I just I just it sort of it was a moment that sort of was like, oh shit, that's a really great shot where where she goes to lay her head down on the pillow and the camera goes with her. It's a beautiful shot, and it sort of just and it sort of stays in the pillow, and then it fades out, and they're both they're both gone from the. Pillow. Actually, I think the next shot is them getting ready. They, I think it's like near the end of the film, they're yeah, getting ready marriage. for their wedding. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that sort of stuff is really great. It's a guy called Richard Harling is the DOP, and he was also the cinematographer on Banana in a Nutshell. Uh, he's mainly done New Zealand television, but I'd be I'd be keen to see his stuff on the big screen again. I think he's so I think he's got he some did good stuff. Banana in a Nutshell. So is he the um, wanky film student character? <laughs> Maybe, maybe. It's not, it's well, not the same like, car. He's not, he's no, it's not the same. No, I think <laughs> it's, it's that's probably not who he is. No. no but <laughs> Maybe. Maybe they're friends uh, like that. Maybe they were frenemies at university. That's a good term, frenemies. I was trying to I was trying to figure it out because I was kind of like, oh, are they buddies now? I guess they're frenemies. Like, there's that point where his haircut changes so dramatically it threw me for a loop <laughs> did you know did really, i was just like yeah it changed i was like oh yeah i got a haircut good yeah 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 I was... but but i was like i was like who is this guy who the fuck is this guy <laughs> <laughs> but i guess people i guess people's haircuts change at university that's good now now timelines is interesting because you said oh i guess it's her first day of uni right when they when yeah it sort of felt like that because there's all the clubs are out and they're trying to recruit I completely agree. And then, then she's her first class and she's like why she wants to get to film and yep. those sorts of things. And then at the end, um, a friend of me, Eric, seems to have gotten some sort of a, um, internship at a company where he <laughs> is making corporate videos, which is what he derided at the start. He's like, well, and also she's, she's working on a Power Rangers type series where, <laughs> That's right. um, funnily enough, one of the the... Asian guy she keeps running into um, during the film. He That's was right. on Power Rangers. That's right. Everyone was. I think Michelle anyway. might have been. Because um, uh, yeah. that, that international listeners, Power Rangers is uh, filmed in New Zealand, in case you didn't know that. Um, that's confusing timeline-wise. I was kind of like, oh, because usually you don't get internships until you finish your undergrad. You don't usually do internships while you're doing your undergrad. So that's three years later? So I wasn't quite well, sure about the timelines. I don't quite understand. Again, that. I think I think you're coming at it from too much of a, <laughs> too much of a, an expert. <laughs> right, but is you this, know? do you like, think that she's got her job while she's still studying? Because are they did they finish uni? Well, it seemed like they finished uni. That's all. I mean, I, was... I sort of, I, I don't want to say I didn't care, but I kind of didn't care. Yeah, like, it, I, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Far, it doesn't matter. No, as far as as far as I understand, it, it's you know. For, finished uni for the year life whatever now it's time to yeah. maybe it was the maybe it was the first day of her last year of university yeah probably but the, but uh, the only reason i was wondering is because i was trying to figure out 
how long their courtship is. That's what I was like. Yeah, because you said in real life it was eight years. And I remember thinking, oh, yeah, I think in the, re- in the documentary it was a lot longer than a year. And I was like, I think in this film it's like a year <laughs> before the parents Sounds find that right. out. Yeah, okay, cool. Cool. Just timelines. Sure. Sometimes Why timelines not? confuse me sometimes. That's all. I was just just wondering. Uh, getting... Wear a watch, Rajiv. Jeez. <laughs> Wear a watch. Uh, Bic Ronga songs are in this movie. She's um, quite... Hey, second film in a row with a prominent New Zealand musician doing the soundtrack. That's right. Well, she she did four songs and the soundtrack is listed as her and another guy who I've <laughs> forgotten to find. I'm sorry, other guy. Um, but... Um, she made that album that a lot of the songs come from when Beck Ronger was going through uh, real life heartbreak, right? Which is why the songs are so sort of heartfelt and heartbreaking. Appropriate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, my wife mentioned that whenever she hears those music, those songs, because they are so true, uh, it makes her cry. And they are. I mean, they're really beautiful, beautiful songs. Just beautiful music, like appropriate. And she's you know Asian, which is great. It's all it all works together. Hooray. <laughs> sure. Good. Yay. Yeah. And my last point <laughs> that I wanted to mention was Joss Thompson is uh, Matt, Matt Whelan's character's flatmate. Uh, that guy is hilarious. I love him in everything he does. Uh, my favourite gay in the entire movie <laughs> isn't, isn't uh, anything else, that any, any of the main characters. Is Josh. When, she's, when she's broken up with... Uh, when Matt Whelan's character's given her the divorce papers and she's trying to woo him, that great that great montage yep. where she's trying to woo him, and she comes With to the ever door. increasing like crazy, crazy um, symbols of her like, like decorating his entire porch with fairy lights, fairy lights. with a big heart fairy light and everything. That's great, yeah. Um, uh, I wonder how true that stuff is. The bit where she brings the flowers from a gala and she's like to Joss Thompson, and she's all like, "Can you make sure he gets this?" And Joss answers the door wearing a Star Trek outfit. I don't know why he's wearing a Star Trek My wife posited that it's his PJs, but I like the way he um, slowly, covertly puts his hand over the Star Trek emblem on his chest. I missed that. Like he's like, he's like, I'm not a nerd. I'm like, you're clearly wearing a Star Trek outfit. That's great. And I'm a massive Star Trek nerd, but I have never just casually worn a Star Trek outfit. I, the, I mean, I've worn, I wore a Star Trek outfit once when I was 10 to a school ball. Hey, me and you dress up in funny outfits to school balls. Look at that. There you go. That's <laughs> why yeah. we're such good friends. Yeah. But that was my favourite favorite. See, gag. I think my favourite gag <laughs> is actually from that same sequence. But so one of the things that she delivers is a giant tree covered in packets of the mixed lollies that That's they right. used to eat together. That's right. And then to the next, to the neck, cuts to the next bit <laughs> with the fairy lights everywhere. And he opens the door and then Josh Thompson appears like eating some of the lollies (laughs) and he snatches them off him and he says, no, I need to throw those away. (laughs) Really weird little bit. I don't know. Love it. But I mean, I, I, I I cried during this film. I I loved it. You cried. Yeah. I'm a big suck when it comes to films. I, I, I I did. I actually cried when, when, um, Susan's boyfriend was dead that made me really sad I was like fuck that sucks that's like the worst especially because it was so connected to the family not wanting that to be a part of their life like I was like oh man that's that's just really sad that would be very sad that's some good filmmaking yeah and I couldn't (laughs) help thinking like oh because in terms of the film like he left because she you know partly because she broke up with him and so sort of died because 
of them sort of thing could be yeah could yeah, be but no like when she's <laughs> oh, this is the this is the scene where she has tried to make her mum her favorite abalone that's right yeah 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 and she's talking to her mum and her mum is just and it's oh it's just a static shot and they just hold it and it's purely those two performances and those characters and those actresses because oh man her mum and it's great and it just i don't know something about it just her mum is delivering got me in the feels her mum is delivering such a great performance i was like this is a really subtle but beautiful performance and i just thought oh this is some new zealand chinese older actress they found at some community theater or something and they're just directing the shit out of her and getting great work her mum is like hong kong actress supreme <laughs> like she she's um she was in a 1966 martial arts movie called come drink with me uh which was then referenced in a homage in crouching tiger hidden dragon when they cast the same actress uh, Ching Pei Pei uh, as Jade Fox, a woman who throws blades like she did in her 1966 film. I mean, these are these are really big, big names. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was like, oh right. And I read an interview with Roseanne Liang where she was like, yeah, we wanted to make sure we cast them not necessarily for an international audience for sales or anything, but because she wanted to make sure she had uh, the authentic Cantonese accent when they spoke English um, in the performance, as opposed to. New Zealand Chinese or Australian Chinese, which wouldn't necessarily have that level of uh, skill, right. perhaps, and also accent. Um, same with Kenneth Sang, the the guy that played the father. Uh, he's in. Um, I have to go and rewatch these, but one of my favorite filmmakers, John Woo, he's in like A Better Tomorrow One and Two, The Killer, and Once a Thief, all directed by John Woo in prominent roles. Uh, he's also in American films such as Rush Hour Two, Die Another Day, and The Replacement Killers. So these are like. I was like, I was sitting there going, "Wow, these these older actors." Because usually you can watch New Zealand films and you can see sort of older. Some of the sometimes the old actors are like not, not super professional actors. And I was like, "These guys are really good. This is some good directing." Yeah, I mean, and just her performance was just really subtle because the when totally it becomes, subtle. you know, yeah. when they you know win over her dad, but then it's her mum that is refusing to accept things. Exactly. It's, yeah, 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 yeah. It's, yeah. A surprise, but it's also not. I mean, it's so great when she goes when when Matt's character starts talking about his life and how his his he's the child of divorced parents. That's what really gets the mum's heckles up. But she yeah. just goes quiet and then leaves the table, and it's such it's so great. And she sort of just gets up silently, and there's so much so much in that performance. I came away thinking that that was my favorite performance in the whole film. <laughs> I just I don't know like I yeah it's it sounds like I'm I'm gushing over this film and it kind of it, I kind of am because it's just I I'm really gutted that I missed this in a cin- in the cinema and I don't know why I didn't make it I don't know what was going on in my life at that time but I didn't and I'm kicking myself now I'm sorry Roseanne um, <laughs> I am also sorry I also missed it in the cinema this this is the second time I've seen this film I I. I hired it out the year it was released because I was like, oh, I'm missing the cinema. I feel bad about that. I try very hard to um, see things, New Zealand films in a cinema. Um, but if, if we... you've missed it like us, um, you can go to the New Zealand film On Demand and uh, rent it there hmm. or at your local, if it's still open, video store. That's right. I got Mine has been hired from the local video store. Arrow um, Street. Uh, no, uh, the other one. No one wants to know about no. the personal details of my life, Andrew. Stop this. <laughs> <Anyway>. <laughs> uh, 
but also, um, I also just really, really quickly want to mention that um, the documentary itself, Banana in a Nutshell, is available online for you to watch as well for free. Which is, which is great. The, the DVD, if you do hire it out, has uh, the short film that I mentioned at the start of this episode, Take Three, on it. Uh, which is hilarious and well worth it. Oh, which bad. I think might be on the NZ On Demand website as well. We should probably mention accessibility every time we do these. We didn't do it for Rain. How did you watch Rain, the episode one of the Yeah, season? so this is the, actually this is what I was thinking about um, coming into recording this as well. I'd like to, especially because I'm the one that's on the other side of the world, talk about how um, any other international listeners can get to these films. Mm. So Rain, it was also from the NZ Film Commission On Demand website. Excellent. Excellent. So, that's a, that's a, it's a great resource. It's a really great resource. It is. So, especially like for New Zealand films, which is great. I don't know whether many other countries have that sort of thing. It's good that someone has set up something specific. Because there was a point where before you had that, like if I said, hey, we want to discuss New Zealand films, you just, you just wouldn't be able to watch any of them. I'd have to send them over to you on DVD. They're not available on any other streaming sites. Um, Pretty much. That's why, you know, this is why we always have such weird patchwork kind of seasons. That's right. <laughs> it's like, what can I get? <laughs> anyway, this one is available and you should definitely, especially if you, you know, recently watched and loved The Big Sick, as most people did, mm. um, just in a similar sort of vein, a similar sort of tone. Uh, yes. Exactly. Uh, five stars for me. Five stars. We should start wrapping up. Yes, that's it. I think. I think. Um, okay, you can. You I just, can. I, yeah, I loved that they were nerds and that they found each other and that he was such a giant, tall man who liked wheat picks and she loved him anyway. <laughs> to love someone that loves wheat picks, incredible, yeah. incredible. That's true love. It's true love. Um, you can find the podcast on Twitter at NTZOF. You can find us to listen and wherever you listen to good podcasts. Uh, and you can find me on the Twitter at Rajeevfilm, R-A-J-E-E-V-F-I-L-M. Uh, please rate and review. We'd really appreciate that if you listen on iTunes. Um, you can go to SoundCloud and comment on the tracks specifically. Where about you? Ooh. What about you, Andrew? Where can they find you? You can find me on the... Oh God, I was going to say LinkedIn again. That's wrong. <laughs> I'll post, we'll post that on letterboxed, Twitter. Letterboxed. Letterboxed. Yes. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, I'm a mess. Yes, you can. I'm on Letterboxed and Instagram at AndyJames underscore Inc. And also the Twitter. And the Twitter. At the same the same thing. Uh, big shout outs to yeah. Jeremy Viela, audio engineer. He's amazing and makes us sound amazing. Thank you, Jeremy, for all your hard work. Thank uh, you, Jeremy. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with another episode. See you then. Kakita.